You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris, and I'll be your host for today. Special thanks to Aeon there, taking rotations. What a wonderful hour of music programming on 3CR, Radical Radio. And for today's program, before we get into it, a bit of a packed program, I'd just firstly like to acknowledge that I'm broadcasting over the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples here in so-called Melbourne, Indigenous Sovereignty, was never ceded. Genocide and colonization are ongoing and settlers like myself have to act in solidarity with First Nations people here towards ending this settler colonial regime. So for today's program, some of it does follow the topic of settler colonialism a bit, but first um, I'd like to mention that it has been a big week in terms of reactionary things and in that vein I spoke to Anon on anti-fascism and you'll be hearing that interview in the first half of the program and in the second half I'll be speaking to Janine Harani on the latest on Palestine solidarity in in terms of I'm sure listeners will be aware of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, Pinkwashing, Israeli Apartheid, and it's been a pretty successful campaign pointing out that and lots of things have happened. So we'll be hearing latest on that in the second half of the program today. You're tuned to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. First, I'll be playing Turf War by Unsanitary Napkin. A bit of a punk, punk song.
And that was Turf 4 by Unsanitary Napkin. Check them out. They're Otero punk band there. Releasing that song out in solidarity against the transphobia over there and internationally. So up next, I have an interview that's on anti-fascism. We talk about the recent reactionary protests and a bunch of other things going on to TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical I guess feminists and inverted commas, and really it's a bit of a wide-ranging, loose conversation, and I hope listeners enjoy it. It was recorded yesterday on the Day of Trans Day of Remembrance as well, and some things I thought about re-listening to it is, I want to make clear, like, these big reactionary protests that have fascists are incredibly anti-health and ableist. I don't think that's something we mentioned in the interview, and... There is also a big section of small business and ruling class people involved in pushing the protests as well, or, or, or in this area in general. So that's something else to think about in terms of this. But stay tuned for this interview with Anon on Queering the Air 3CR Community Radio on anti-fascism. So I'm joined on Queering the Air 3CR Community Radio with Anon, and we're going to be talking about anti-fascism. But first, is there anything you'd like to say about yourself? I've been an anti-fascist um, organising on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nations for a number of years now, um, uh, amongst other things in other areas. Cool. Thank you for that introduction for listeners. So I guess right at the forefront of my mind today is we've seen tens of thousands turn out for these this big reactionary protest today, including some neo-Nazis, but a general sort of reactionary anti-Andrews government vibe, anti-vax, anti-government control. Um, and there's also been like violence, including a trans woman assaulted recently, apparently connected to pro-vaccination pro stuff. Why do you think these protests have drawn so many people and does it surprise you? Specifically the uh, anti-vax and the co-option by the white supremacist movements around the country. Um, no, look, it doesn't really surprise me um, to anyone who's been paying attention to what's been going across these stolen lands. Um, the disempowerment that um, like working class people uh, have been facing in the uh, um, punitive measures of the Andrews government. Um, it was always going to incite a response like that. Like, it's one of the first times that mostly white people have uh, experienced a lack of freedom um, on, like, a large scale uh, in so-called Australia, especially in Victoria. Um, so, uh, like, white nationalists and fascists have um, managed to co-opt uh, people's frustration at the current climate rather effectively. Um and that's why we see so many people at the, like, anti-lockdown, anti-vax protest types, you know? But um, no matter how many times you point out that they're standing side by side with fascists and reactionaries, um, it doesn't seem to bother them. Mm. Yeah, it really isn't dipping their numbers. Like, left's trying to, I guess, point out the strong links there. But, but at the same time, I, I guess I have my own criticisms of... The campaign against racism and fascism's approach, which doesn't really talk about all the punitive 
policing the pandemic stuff that Andrew's government has been doing and will continue to do in this pandemic and any future pandemics because a lot of this like bill is about like consolidating some of the powers with like some token checks and stuff but you know like increased like a new charge in terms of a prison sentence was also a worrying part of that do you have any thoughts well, uh, I can draw a direct parallel to uh, a First Nations sovereignty campaign that happened during the first year of the pandemic, where um, nearly 100 people who were uh, fighting for uh, sovereignty on uh, Japarang country, on sacred women's country, um, had gone out to try and resist the eviction of the embassy. Um, and they used these trumped-up COVID charges uh as a means of deterrence for people trying to um, fight for sovereignty. Um, and a great many people received um, anywhere from $1,000 fines to almost $2,500 fines. And in total, in, in one day of the eviction after the directions tree was cut down, there was nearly $150,000 worth of fines that were um, handed out. So... It's not just uh, the reactionaries that are protesting um, that are going to be the target of these kinds of punitive measures. Of the, uh, I'm not sure how many fine, how much the fine is. It's some ludicrous amount and a mandatory jail time. It'll be used against those people for sure, but also against people who are um, protesting against all kinds of injustice and genocide taking place here. Yeah, for sure. I reckon. That definitely is the case, and we shouldn't let Andrew's government just let the fact that there is this big white supremacist movement going on distract from what they can also do to us and anti-fascists, I guess. The, the legislation that they're bringing in, they, they bring in the name of uh, targeting white supremacist movements, but then they almost exclusively use this legislation against... Um, people fighting against the government from like a, a leftist bent, as it were. Um, so people fighting for indigenous sovereignty or uh, against other injustices taking place on these lands. Yeah. So I guess moving to a different topic, it's also Trans Day of Remembrance today. And I guess often the message is watered down to this respectable and sad, mourn the dead stuff without any like call to action or anything. So I'm wondering what do you think about how we fight and struggle for the living, including through anti-fascism. Mm. Well, it's it's really interesting that the uh, two most well-known um, uh, days in the Gregorian calendar year are Trans Day of Visibility and Trans Day of Remembrance. So it's please stop killing us and please acknowledge us. Um, and we need much more than that. We need much more that, than that from our comrades too. Um, a lot of people seem to have the idea that people who organise around anti-fascism are mostly cisgendered, are mostly white and are mostly men. Um, and amongst the people that I know, that's uh, almost always not the case. Um, it's people who are the targets of um, reactionary and white supremacist uh, violence are primarily... LGBT people, are primarily trans people and trans women in particular, um, uh, alongside people of colour, um, uh, who 
uh, underrepresented in uh, organizations that are advocating for us, um, that are trying to appeal for reform. Um, so whether that is uh, trying to fight for um, appropriate healthcare or for uh, transgender people to be not put into uh, prison systems aligning with the gender that they were assigned at birth. Um, and there's not much being done um, outside of um, uh, small collectives and groups that are fighting really hard um, that, that don't, don't seem to have the uh, mainstream support outside of tokenistic gestures, maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, just you talking there just made me think about the whole kerfuffle around the Globe Awards and Ravenhall Prison being nominated for one of, like, the Transgender Inclusion Award, and there was this big, like, uproar about it, but at the same time I was like, like, where's this, where's, like, why isn't this on the agenda all the time? Like, it was on the agenda for a week or something, and... I really wanted more meaningful stuff like solidarity for trans people inside to come out of that. And I don't I know if that's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm firstly not surprised that an organisation like Globe has uh, had nominated uh, Ravenhall. I believe they've since rectified that. Yeah, thanks to pressure too. Yeah. Organisations like Globe and, and Midsummer and um, Melbourne Queer Film Festival, they might have had roots at one point in a liberation-based politics um, in protest, but they've since been um, co-opted and controlled by people who are more than willing to appeal to state authority for their careers, um, their privileges, and for a seat at the table. These people are more interested in shuffling the furniture around stolen land in order to reap better benefits of the genocide that's taking place here than they are in focusing on the struggle for liberation for all people, um, whether they're uh, settlers or mob. Because we can't talk about the prison system without talking about the disproportionate rate at which black people are locked up and killed in custody. No, we can't at all. And that really brings us to settler colonialism. And yeah, as a white settler on a in a colony, that's such a struggle that has to be the forefront of anything I do and I'm wondering if you could speak to what solidarity looks like against settler colonialism here and and in solidarity in other places. I know there's been a lot of pro-Palestine action this week against the Melbourne Queer Film Festival pingwashing Israeli apartheid. Um, well, uh, acknowledging that I'm a white settler from a refugee background, um, uh, as in my family came here um, as refugees, um, uh, I think the most important place for anyone to understand their place within settler colonialism um, is to understand who they are and where they are. So whose who's land you are on and what your relationship to that land is. Um, as well as listening to black voices, that have been leading the fight against settler colonialism and genocide that's been taking place here for over 200 years. Because there is no shortage of ways that people can get involved. Um, but the crux of that issue is that taking part in the, in the struggle requires uh, a level of sacrifice that most people aren't willing to make um, because of the level of comfort provided to them by the welfare state. Um, 
and the level of safety that they uh, assume that they deserve. Um, uh, which might sound a bit confrontational, but it's essentially the truth that if you aren't willing to take a stand against the injustices that take place, then uh, your silence is essentially complicity in the actions of those that uh, enact this violence in your name. Um, on the note of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, um, they released a couple of public statements in response to uh, people from organising from the boycott, divest and sanction movement uh, against uh, Israeli apartheid um, uh, in response to the fact that they had organised a program that had absolutely no First Nations um, representation, um, so no films uh, featuring mob, uh, no films featuring uh, Arabic-speaking um, filmmakers, um, uh, and they programmed a film called The Swimmer, which was funded by the uh, Israeli state. Um, and part of the funding of that requires that they're not allowed to critique the Israeli state. So those are the, the, the main issues with that. Um, so uh, a number of people um, thought that that was not acceptable. Um, uh, and tried to uh, encourage uh, NQFF to come to the table and speak to queer Palestinians about uh, the decision-making process that led to that decision. Um, it's worth noting that Schwartz Media, um, an explicitly pro-Israeli and anti-Palestinian media organisation, is one of the major sponsors for NQFF. Uh, and so it's hardly surprising that uh, such a uh, white, and uh, pro-colonising uh, organisation uh, blocked at the idea of sitting down with some uh, Palestinian people um, and instead released some weird statement about wanting to remain apolitical um, as though the very roots of the festival are not inherently radical and based on their struggle for liberation. Yes, indeed. And in another section of the program I'm hoping to speak to one of the organizers of the rally so listeners should, should stay tuned for that sort of segueing to another topic why do you think it's crucial to confront transphobia in the left including trans exclusionary radical feminists right well uh firstly i think it's a little bit ingenuine but i understand where it's coming from uh to include tests within the left but that's because of my political understanding um, white supremacists uh, often use uh, trans people as a trans or gay people as a scapegoat for reactionary violence in order to gain power. Like we can draw analogies back to the book burnings that took place under the Hitler's rise to power during the Third Reich. Um, that the majority of those books were uh, books about um, sexual orientations and gender. Um, and so uh, these so-called feminists uh, who are essentially appropriating white supremacist talking points in order to issue any kind of responsibility for the violence that they uphold against transgender people by having such a closed-minded mindset um, that they try and use the same language and ally themselves with um, Nazis and other fascists um, uh, against trans people and, and uh, place the powerlessness that they feel at, at the feet of transgender people. 
rather than placing the blame um, at people who actually hold power being uh, capitalists, industrialists, and colonizers. Um, so that's why it's really important to address any form of violence that takes place within our own movements, uh, in particular uh, transphobia. Um, because uh, if we're not looking after all of us or looking out for all of us, uh, our movements will tear themselves apart um, due to the acts of betrayal that will take place. Yeah, indeed. And yeah, when you look at fascism so often, it, like they do, like who they come come for first in terms of its indigenous people, like First Nations, trans people, and if the left, what sort of future is going to be created if there's no solidarity with people targeted by multiple oppressions, including in the like the state at the moment and by a state, a fascist state, even though it's not really. Yeah, exactly. Like, 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 like fascism is settler colonialism come home to roost. Um, and there is no liberation apart from collective liberation. Like, none of us are free until all of us are free. And we have to fight for each other. Yeah, that's a great point. To get towards the end of this chat, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I'd just like to add... Um, uh, in regards to the calf demonstration that was called today, that was essentially uh, an elaborate recruitment strategy for CAF, um to try and get more people to join their organisation that put the, uh, the people who live in Melbourne um, in a great danger and basically baited uh, all of the old fascists and reactionaries out of the woodwork uh, to give them a confrontation point. Um, and I think that is a really weird practice. Um, that's all I really have to say about that. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to have more discussion of like what's going on and how to respond to it and what tactics might be pretty poor and what we could do in response that could be more effective. Mm. A lot of different grassroots organisations and communities have been producing uh media uh in a bunch of different languages uh for communities that were uh largely unvaccinated um out of a lack of information from the government because the government doesn't care about us i'm thinking of the communities of Campbellfield, of the outer north of the of the outer west that produced like uh, resources in their language to be able to uh help fight the reactionary talking points that were taking hold in their communities that were allowing them to be scapegoated by white supremacist movements to use them as essential cannon fodder for their protests. We're seeing all the United Australia party billboards everywhere. They're doing so much outreach from like the billionaire mining white supremacist money there. Um, and yeah, it's worrying what will come out of all this. It's, it's, it's hard to say, but, uh, the slow grind of, of, of fascism um, is something that uh, capitalists will always take advantage of um, as it's like the uh, oldest tool in the book that they have to incite reactionary violence in order to create a more authoritarian state so that they can get away with more and extract more um, and provide less for all of us. 
Thanks so much for joining me on Querying Through Our Three CR Community Radio, Anon. No worries, thank you for having me. And you're tuned into Queering the Air. As you heard there, there was Anon speaking to me broadly around anti-fascism and a number of topics there. You're tuned in to Queering the Air until 4pm. Up next we have an interview talking more about the campaign calling for the boycott of Melbourne Queer Film Festival as they pinkwash Israeli apartheid. Stay tuned. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. You're tuned into Queering the Air and I'm joined on the line by Janine Harani. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for taking the time. And yeah, we're going to be talking about the latest updates in terms of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival pinkwashing Israeli apartheid. It's been a big week, but I know it's been... a this campaign's been a, a long time in the making in terms of the pinkwashing that's been going on. How are you feeling at the moment? And, um, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm feeling pretty positive. Um, the kind of community solidarity that we've seen has been really, really great. And it's been quite unprecedented, to be honest with you. I really think it goes to show um, how much momentum from the Unity Intifada earlier this year has kind of continued... Um, and really changed the narrative around Palestine, you know, to see um, such an amazing show of solidarity around a BDS action even 12 months ago um, would have been pretty unheard of. So it really goes to show, um, yeah, how the narrative and the kind of public awareness on Palestine and pinkwashing um, really has changed. So that's really great. And, um, yeah, like, you know, NCFF still haven't come out publicly and made another statement. They haven't removed the film, but, um, you know, the amount of community organising and community building that has happened is really a positive win. Yeah, for sure. And to jump the gun a bit, uh, but would you like to talk to listeners a bit about yourself? Because I should have asked you that one first. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my name is Janine. I'm um, a queer Palestinian activist. Um, organizer and storyteller. Um, I actually run an organization. Um, I'm the director of a nonprofit called Road to Refuge, um, which aims to change the narrative around refugees and people seeking asylum. And through my work at Road to Refuge, we really do um, work with a lot of storytelling organizations, whether that is film festivals and writers' festivals or civil society organizations. And so, um, yeah, kind of being involved in seeing. Um, Melbourne Queer Film, working on this campaign on Melbourne Queer Film Festival really aligns with a lot of that, um, you know, those values around changing the narrative and around storytelling. Um, and, yeah, I've been involved in the BDS movement um, formally for the last couple of years now, but informally pretty much since I was born. So, um, yeah, this is just kind of like an intersection of all of the different things I've been involved in over the past few years. Awesome. And listening to you speak there about changing a the narrative... 
I know like one of the films produced on this is a film called Pinkwashing Exposed in terms of anti-pinkwashing and Palestine solidarity, solidarity campaigns. Yeah. It, and I recommend listeners check that out. Is that a film you've learned a lot about how to campaign in, in this area? Yeah, so it's actually really interesting. Um, Pinkwashing Exposed, yeah, is a really great starting point for anyone who wants to learn more about what pinkwashing is. Um, it's quite an old it's quite an old film, so um, there has been some more work done since then, but it's a really good starting point, and it's actually free for anyone to watch on Vimeo. So if you just Google Pinkwashing Exposed, you should be able to find the link um, to watch it online, and it's a one-hour film. And actually, um, earlier this year, um, MQFF did a MQFF Together program, um, which is pretty much to kind of make up for the fact that there was no film festival in 2020. Um, and we actually approached them when we saw the MQFF Together program um, and, you know, tried to raise awareness on pinkwashing and let them know that there's Aitan Fox's film Sublet, which has been accused of pinkwashing. Israeli Apartheid is on their program. Um, and they were actually also including a retrospective of the director's previous films. And so we tried to raise awareness and tried to get them to pull the film. And um, they actually responded and said to us, that pinkwashing was a matter of personal opinion. Um, and so in response to that, we actually ran a digital campaign, um, a social media campaign, and then um, actually did a screening of Pinkwashing Exposed, and that was a sold-out event. Um, and in light of their current programming of the swimmer, we suggested that they pull the film um, and play Pinkwashing Exposed instead, and we told them we could help them get right to that film because we have a good relationship with Dean Spade, who's the filmmaker of Pinkwashing Exposed, but, yeah, they weren't having a bar of it. So it really is a great resource for anyone who's interested and I think really important to shed light on um, the intersection of Palestinian liberation and queer rights. Yeah, definitely. I'll provide a link to that in the show notes for listeners. And, yeah, there is, like, a, a big international context around the world with Palestine solidarity stuff and there's the queer cinema for Palestine film festival just finished up and there were I think that was in reaction to the Israeli LGBT film festival yeah yeah and that's the thing like there's such a growing amount of solidarity for the Palestinian liberation movement in kind of the queer rights space and the queer liberation space and so there really isn't there was an opportunity here given that this festival is running at the same time as MQFF the queer cinema for Palestine, there really was an opportunity for MQFF to be part of that and to really show solidarity with um, queer Palestinians. And there really was a missed opportunity, the fact that they didn't even acknowledge or engage with the queer cinema for Palestine. And, and a lot of our um, campaigning was inspired by the queer cinema for Palestine, but also inspired by the Toronto Queer Film Festival, which was, I think, the first film festival to adopt um, a, a cultural boycott policy, as well as the Scottish International Queer Fem Film Festival, which has also adopted a um, a, a, boycott, a cultural boycott policy. So there really is a, is a precedent for um, MQFF to adopt such a policy, and we're seeing growing interest among film festivals to, to adopt cultural boycotts. So, yeah, the time is now. Yeah, and it's been worrying that despite all this momentum and all the things going on that MQFF has chose the side of oppressors and has claimed that it's apolitical to choose so, 
which is pretty nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they said they were apolitical really riled a lot of people up. Like, people were already angry that they, um, you know, were choosing not to stand in solidarity with Palestinians. They were choosing to continue screening the film. But then I think when they came out with their second statement saying that they were apolitical um, and when they cancelled their meeting with us, that was really kind of an impetus for a lot of the reaction we've been seeing more recently. And I think it speaks to kind of broader issues with the film festival. I mean, now it's kind of gone beyond Palestine and beyond um, Palestinian liberation. It kind of goes to show how the film festival is so out of touch with the community that it claims to serve. Um, and, you know, even the fact that they called the cops on the action on Friday and that they kind of have questionable have a questionable stance on no cops at Pride, it really goes to show that they really are so behind the rest of the community that they claim to, to serve. Yes, indeed. On that note, I think, yeah, as I went to the protest as well, pretty well-attended protest at short notice and had a big impact there. There's lots of chanting. I think I got some of the chants. Yeah, that was like M- MQFF has got to go. And it, it yeah. does seem like if MQFF is just going to become more and more on the side of the oppressors, then what's the point? And there might be a, a grassroots alternative developing around Queer Film Festival, maybe. Well, yeah, that kind of... Be, I mean, I think it's, it's really important for us to remember the history of MQFF. And, you know, MQFF started in the 90s and they're one of the first institutions in the country to actually adopt the term queer. Um, at the time, the rhetoric was predominantly around lesbian and gay. That was like kind of the rhetoric that was predominantly used. And MQFF decided to adopt the term queer to kind of, um, you know, show that there's more than just lesbian and gay in the LGBTQIA plus um, community and that you know, um, Equinus was, you know, adopting the term queer was actually seen as a really political statement that they made, and it was a deliberate political statement that they made, and it was born out of protest. And so for them to lose sight of the history and the legacy of the festival really goes to show how they have, yeah, they're not honouring kind of where the festival, where the festival came from and the festival's roots, which is a really disappointing, really disappointing thing. Very disappointing indeed, and I think, yeah, as you mentioned, those links beyond just on Palestine, but on policing and on who's represented in the films, yeah, that it's all interlinked. Yeah, and we are seeing, sorry, just to also um, carry on on that point, we are seeing a grassroots movement because a lot of the filmmakers that have pulled out, there's over 10 now that have pulled their films, um, are wanting to run a community screening of their films. So that will provide an opportunity for them to have their films platformed and screened in a space that, you know, is safe for queer Palestinians. And so we're already seeing alternative spaces being created by community members um, to show solidarity with Palestinians and actually kind of um, include the essence of what MQFS was meant to be about. So these counter spaces and these community-led grassroots organising around film and storytelling, it's already happening. So that's a really positive step in the right direction. Yeah, and we saw strong statements by the co-president Molly Willen and director New- former director Nuka Gori putting out resignation statements 
as well, which is really good to see. Yeah, for sure. The solidarity has just been, you know, I think it's the message has been sent loud and clear between the two board members resigning, between the films being, filmmakers pulling their films out, between, um, you know, we've had volunteers message saying that they've pulled out of volunteering at the festival. Um, we've had guest speakers and MCs say that they've pulled out of their um, speaking opportunities. So, um, you know, it's, we really are making a big public statement here. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Sort of pull it, putting things in a direction of what's happening in Palestine at the moment. I know it was Palestine National Day recently, and I think I heard something about Israel's been banning human rights organisations and labelling them terrorists. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Israel has been labelling, yeah, um, Palestinian human rights organisations as terrorist organisations. That was a recent development, um, I think, with a few weeks ago now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not new. Settler colonial states um, have a long history of um, an apartheid state. And, you know, um, yeah, white settler states have a long history of um, labelling human rights organisations, human rights defenders, um, as terrorists and terrorist organisations. It wasn't until, you know, the early 2000s that Nelson Mandela was actually taken off the US um, terrorist watch list. So it's just a tactic that we have seen time and time again and that the state of Israel is now adopting um, to try and silence Palestinian human rights organisations and human rights defenders. And it's not just Palestinian organisations, it's also, um, you know, Israeli... Um, anti-Zionist or pro-Palestinian um, human rights organisations. So it really is, um, yeah, weaponising human rights um, against against us, essentially. Yeah, and listening to that, yeah, another area of very strong solidarity is solidarity between anti-Zionist Jewish queers and Palestinian queers at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we've just seen through... Um, organisations that have just been launched. We have Larger Collective and Sedek Collective um, and both of those organisations, as well as Jews Against Fascism, which have been around for longer, um, have been really great in terms of their shows of solidarity. Sedek actually put out a statement um, themselves kind of, um, you know, against MQFF. We've had volunteers from those organisations coming to organising meetings and coming to events and sharing you know, things on social media. So, it, yeah, it's really gaining... The anti-Zionist Jewish movement is really gaining so much traction and it's so lovely to see. I think it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's a really important um, step in the right direction and I think, in particular, I think it's important for us to recognise how much a lot of those organisations and individuals are putting on the line by standing in solidarity with us and how much we really appreciate it. Yeah, it's making a big impact... Has there been any other unexpected surprises in the last week in terms of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival? Um, not really. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I think that the scale, in the in the last week, seeing the scale to which this has grown to has been a really beautiful thing to witness. Um, and, you know, as a Palestinian, um, our voices are constantly silenced. Um, we are, like, turned away from media. We are kind of, um, yeah, made to feel, um, you know, turned away from, from mainstream platforms. And to see 
the shift and to see, you know, what's happening with MDFS actually making mainstream media outlets. We've had a Vice article, we've had a pedestrian article, we've had two articles published in the New Arab. Um, we've had, this is the third radio interview. So to see all of this platforming of Palestinian voices um, and the platforming of this campaign and what's happening um, has been, yeah, quite unexpected, but gives me really strong hope for the future. Yeah, thanks for that. Definitely is giving a lot of energy on, on where to next. So, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Where to next? Yeah, so I think we're gonna con- we are going to continue um, putting pressure on MQFF. This isn't going to go... They're not going to get rid of us anytime soon. Um, and as you mentioned, Iris, it's kind of... They need to um, be better at responding to the values and needs and the asks of their community and actually reflect the values of their community and be brave in not just adopting, you know, white settler narratives um, in terms of the narratives that they're pushing as part of the film festival. So um, we are going to continue putting pressure on them um, until they either um, meet our demands or otherwise, you know, there'll be a grassroots... There already is and there will continue to be a grassroots movement that actually does meet the needs of the queer community based here in Nam. Um, and, you know, Melbourne Queer Film Festival is, uh, on an international scale, quite well recognised. So um, there really is an opportunity here for other queer film festivals to um, to do the right thing and to learn from this campaign that we've been doing. We're planning on um, addressing or campaigning with queer film festivals around the nation and then broadly around the world. Um, and in terms of kind of more immediate um, actions... Um, we are planning on running a council screening um, in the coming weeks. Um, and if you follow, um, yeah, if you follow me um, on Instagram, um, there'll be updates on that, um, yeah, around where it is and, and what films are being screened. But we really want to give an opportunity for those filmmakers who um, did pull their films in solidarity to have their films shared and, and um, celebrated in, in a safe space. Yeah, sounds awesome. We'll be checking that out and following that up and providing links to listeners for all that. In terms of more things that listeners can follow, and I guess one of the things listeners can plug into is that this is just one small aspect of the boycott, divestments and sanctions movement towards pressuring um, Israel and towards liberating Palestine. Um yeah, could you like? Would you like to speak to any other things that listeners should follow or pay attention to? Yeah, so the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement is is a broad movement um, that was um, inspired by the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa, and it um, aims to put pressure on the state of Israel to meet its human rights and international law obligations using the tools of boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Um, and there are different kind of arms and strategies employed by the BDS movement, and cultural boycott is one of those um, one of those avenues. But there are lots of other, and it's obviously a, a, the B and the BDS. Um, but there are other kind of um, there are other actions, and there are other um, targets that um, the BDS movement aims to um, put put pressure on. Um, and yeah, I guess in terms of yeah, following the BDS movement. Globally, following BDS, BDS Australia, um, there are local chapters kind of all over the world. And the whole point of the BDS movement is that 
um, you can apply BDS principles um, to your local context. So, you know, earlier this year, um, there was a big social media campaign putting pressure on Bank Australia to drop um, a partnership or an association they had with HP, which is, an, which is another BDS target. So by kind of applying BDS to our local context, we're really able to put pressure on our local organisations like MQFS, like Bank Australia and others like that to really um, stand in solidarity and take local action that has a global impact. Yeah, it's a powerful movement and... We know that historically these tactics have worked. Um, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to bring up? Um, no, just, yeah, if any other, if anyone listening has bought tickets to MQFS, please email them and ask for a refund um, and come to our counter screening instead. If you're a filmmaker and you have a film currently programmed in MQFS, please email them and ask for your film to be removed from their programming. And get in contact with me and we'll be more than happy to add you to um, the counter screening to have your film screened in a safe space um, in solidarity with Palestinians. Um, and yeah, to keep the pressure up because, you know, all of the impacts we've seen so far are really getting cut through. Um, we're being listened to. Our actions or our demands are being heard. Um, and yeah, I think it's really important to just keep the momentum up and keep the pressure going. Yes, indeed. Thanks thanks so much, Janine, for coming on to Querying the Earth 3CR Community Radio. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Chat soon. Thanks. Thanks. See ya. Bye. And that was Janine Harani there speaking on the Melbourne Queer Film Festival and the campaign to end them pinkwashing Israeli apartheid. I'll provide more links to many of those things mentioned in the program at 3cr.org.au forward slash Queering the Air when this show is podcasted. Up next is Long Live Palestine. Not every Zionist is Jewish. And not every Jew is a Zionist. This is for Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza It's about time we globalise the Intifada Listen close, I've got six words for Obama Long live Palestine, long live Gaza Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza It's about time we globalise the Intifada Listen close, I've got six words for Obama Long live Palestine, long live Gaza The government supports the people of the UK didn't Zionism's not compatible with Judaism The hijacked faith, the state is Misrepresenting Israel equals displacement and ethnic cleansing. I know I'm on a list for being more verbal. Curse every Zionist since Theodore Herzl. Balfour was not a wise man. Shame on Rothschild. Between them, the monster they created has gone wild. <laughs> الثمن سيد القاضي ينظر إليه في تحديني كم من دليل يصرخ على أترك المطرة قاطيني حرياتي أربط Tears to laughter, our children don't fear disaster Living near the master, clear the fastest, hear the casket We rap when we die from boom-bastic talk Looms after hot, 
Summer days in the thunder blaze They murk your dreams like Theodore Hurts or screams In the UN in 48, third empty father For mother's daughters, sons martyred And empty fathers like مجتمع كامل بنحبس رصاص ضرب وضرب المطر كبس وكبس النفس لكن قطع حتى الطفل انرفس ست حدود محادين تشيل الطير من القفص روح طير طير يا عمي روح انت دمي حياتي وقلبي معك هيدا ذنبي ناطر بس المهدي وعيسى ان ياتي والامل الوحيد اللي صفى هو ربي وين تو تلفزيون نوع مش ميشي لاند رغم جان داشت مخبار ميديدم كيتش زورا جورا روباتشا وعشقاي مادر ارزامي ميريزا Burns your flesh to the bone and if you happen to live You'll be left infected with cancer You curse the fact that you did Forgive me if I wish the same fate on those Israelis Responsible for killing all those innocent little babies I studied the Torah and learned by their own admission Israel's actions are not kosher in their own religion بطلع حوالي فيش حياة أخذوا أرضي من تحت شاي أعطوني معاناة كنا نحمل طرية نترزى من الله خلونا نحمل بندقية نتوكل على الله مجزرة مدبح الكل شافة الشاشات مش اليوم مش ضفة مش غزة معن بالصفحات التاريخ شوف المسيح وشوف أكتر من ستين عام ضق الأجساد في فلسطين Settlements setting up to eliminate child, woman, and man Listen. No such thing as the Middle East, brother, they deceiving you No matter where you stand, there's always something to the east of you So whether it's the Mossad or the FBI policing you It's all one struggle until the final breath is leaving you لازم نتعلم كيف نفكر لازم نتعلم كيف نودر السالة بدون منسكر أبواب الإيمان يا سيدي ما كنتش عرفت خيري لو ما جربت غيري فخذ كلامي تجربي مش إيهاني لازم نقطع راسل وحش عشان يضيع طريقه وآخرته تنكشف been listening to Queering the Out on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris and that's all for our show today. Stay tuned to 3CR Radical Radio listening to Salam Radio for the next hour. Don't you know Talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know Talking about a revolution sounds Like a whisper While there's 
standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know, talking about a revolution It sounds Poor people gonna rise up Get this, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, 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 run. Oh, I said you better run, 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 run. Talking about a revolution. Yes, finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. Oh no. Talking about a revolution. Oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines, crying the doors of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around waiting for. Talking about a revolution, oh no. Talking about a revolution.